as I got another rhyme, another rhythm for y'all to listen. I'm never quitting on my mission. I'ma roll with what I'm giving. Got some ambition, this new edition, filling positions. Looking at the void in myself and feeling what's missing. Better watch the way you're going. Better go in the right direction. In the moment you stressing, but you gon' be counting blessings. And I know that for certain. Keep on working, open curtains. Haters swerving, cause they ain't ready for your final version. I'm never gonna give up, give up. Fall down, I just gotta get up, get up, hey. You're listening to the Topic and Show on WNHHLP 103.5 FM, your home for community radio. Tempest, let's let's jump right in. Good to see you. Can you hear me okay? Yeah. Good, good. Um, we saw each other on Saturday at the uh, at Concord at the Orchid Cafe, and I was just so impressed with with the people that were there and the topic about really just how do we bring on a sustained and deliberate and intentional basis, health awareness, health activity, health proactivity, preventative health to the community any and every way we can by any means necessary. And it seems to me that you're involved with something called care uh, and you'll explain that. And so I wanted to spend the next 20 or so, 25 minutes just letting people know about this sterling opportunity. Time is ticking. There's some deadlines involved. If people really want to put their money where, where their mouth is, I don't not, don't mean to be crude, but just don't want to just talk, but, but really just walk and even sprint or engage in this marathon for health equity. Community Alliance, Community uh, Alliance for, what does CARE stand for? Community uh, Alliance for Research Alliance and Engagement. For, for Research and Engagement. Just those words, Community Alliance for Research and Engagement. This is just, this is not a, a barbershop or a beauty salon discussion. This is a substantive opportunity for people who really care about health, not necessarily for themselves and their family, but for future generations. So jump right in. Tell us about some deadlines that are kicking in. Uh, I'm an alumnus from this program, so I'm obviously biased. And I'll gladly, full transparency, admit that. And uh, let, let's, let's spend the next uh, 20 or so, 25 minutes about this opportunity that's really presenting itself to the greater uh, New Haven community. Yeah, so as you said, my name is Tempest Latham and I actually am a project coordinator for CARE. Um, And I have the wonderful opportunity to work with two of our health equity programs. So currently we have two um, programs that are running. We have open enrollment. So I'm gonna start with our community research fellows. What is very unique about this opportunity, which is what we kind of talked about on Saturday as well at the brunch, is that this is an opportunity for community members that just have an interest, no real background in research or cancer or anything like that, but someone who is really looking to be the change that they want to see and actually help cultivate that relationship between investigators, community members to come together to have like a shared understanding and also come to the table to talk about what are some real issues that we're facing and how can they support us and we can actually support them. So our community research fellow program runs for nine months. It's an opportunity for um, community members to sit in structured trainings to learn about social determinants of health, um, concepts of research and what does it look like in terms of studies as well as um, a lot of different components and I won't get into too much detail because that will reveal what happens in those sessions but ultimately the goal is to drive community-based participatory research as well as approaches which basically means that 
um, New Haven residents have the opportunity to pair with um, researchers, investigators from the Yale Cancer Research Center and work on various projects that they're working on. Mm -hmm. And what that looks like, it could be maybe if you want to work in the lab side by side, if that's an opportunity, you can do that. If you want to take a look at some of the messaging that they have, you can kind of weigh in from a community perspective and say, hey, I understand the intent behind this might have been A, but when I'm reading this, I have a lot of questions or it's not necessarily effectively driving your message. Mm -hmm. And each of the fellows have the opportunity to actually showcase the work that they've done over the course of the nine months. And they have the opportunity to come back together, share with the community what are things that they've worked on. But ultimately, what I love about this program is that it's only for nine months. But as we know, research takes years and years and years. Many of the program participants that do come through us are often um, offered opportunities to continue this work, whether they're on an um, advisory board, whether they get paid opportunities, or they're actually asked to join and actually be staff. So it really is creating this network between community members as well as our Yale investigators to have these relationships so that we can actually see the change that a lot of folks were talking about on Saturday. And so how can folks get involved? Is, is time ticking? I mean, I, I just feel the, the, the fierce urgency of the now. So kind of let, 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 let's, let's strike the bell. Absolutely. So we actually have open enrollment. You can go ahead and go to care, C-A-R-E-N-H-V.org, and you can go ahead and apply there. We're also going to be running several ads through social media, Facebook, Instagram, and obviously you'll get to see this. So this is an opportunity. You can always feel free to reach out to me as well. But I also just want to highlight one other program that we have. So let's mm -hmm. say Maybe you don't have an interest in working with um, a researcher, right? Maybe that's not the fit for you. But there's another program that we have as well, same open enrollment. We're accepting applications up until like mid-December. And the okay. program does start in January and will run for the full nine months. And it'll be an in-person and a hybrid model. So the other program is New Haven Health Leaders. And this is an opportunity where you get to sit in workshops with other community members who have an interest with just seeing health in their community, right? So whether it is they see that there's this disparity or there's this project they're looking to work on, or they just want to really get involved and don't necessarily know how. So the New Haven Health Leader Program actually focuses on teaching community members about social determinants to health, um, grassroots interventions, mm -hmm. as well as community engagement and leadership cultivating. And what happens is over the course of the nine months, folks sit in these structured sessions, but they also have the opportunity to highlight a um, health project that they would like to do within their community, and they get to work on that. So not only are these paid opportunities where you get a stipend over the course of the nine oh, months, great. but you also will receive funding to actually execute a project within your neighborhood. Incredible. And how folks can how can folks kind of be in touch and get, get, get a further clarification if they're interested in that regard for the uh, health leaders? So I will say, thankfully, everything is eco-friendly. So you can go ahead and go online. We have QR codes. We've set up a couple of we have a couple of pamphlets at a lot of the public libraries. Also, if you visit our website, carenhv.org, and you go through our programs, you can go ahead and apply there or you can reach out to me. My Instagram is Health Happy Habits. Or you can email me, it's Latham, L-A-T-H-A-M-T, the number three, at southernct.edu. And Tempest, how long have you been there uh, involved with this initiative? 
Well, I actually am an alumni. I actually was a New Haven health leader and shortly after I came on board. So as an employee, I've been on for two years and I've been in connection with care for three years now. What have you seen or heard from folks about their enthusiasm or their commitment or or why they even apply? I mean, a variety of folks can, can apply. I, I'm just impressed with the, with the demographics being so wide. But what are some of the anecdotes you hear about why people find it to be uh, you know worthwhile and successful? You know what's really unique is I love that so many folks are actually hesitant in the beginning and they don't necessarily feel as comfortable and confident in their capabilities. And what I love to see, because I do get to co-facilitate some of our workshop sessions, is that you get to see this light bulb go off. It's something about coming together with like-minded folks and having conversations because even though, yeah, we might share the same zip code, we're all different in a sense, but it's almost like reestablishing that sense of of community. And what folks will tell you is, I had no idea if I could really pull this off. And I did, or they can say, you know, I always wanted to get in the know of how can I really make a change or how can I support various different initiatives? And I'm so glad that I was introduced to CARE because now I've gone on to do this or I'm sitting on this advisory board or I am doing a community baby shower and I'm doing another project. I think what I love to see is the networking. And I think a lot of feedback we get is that this was kind of the launching pad for me. And it's not, even though the nine months have come and gone, I still am connected and CARE is a family and everyone I've met along Along the way continues to support me on all my future endeavors. So that is something that seems to be a common theme all across the board, which is super exciting and has also brought um, a lot of attention to some of our interest holders. So mm -hmm. both of our programs will actually be expanding as well. So currently we are in New Haven, we are in Bridgeport, we are moving to Waterbury, and we are actually already in Hartford. Isn't that fascinating? Uh, and you, you referenced an incentive, there's a financial incentive as well? Absolutely. So participants, once you are accepted into the program, will receive a stipend of $2,700 over the course of nine months just for participating in the program. And, so we're training mm -hmm. up the leaders and we're paying you as well. Mm -hmm. And so, and you mentioned Waterbury. Are, is that going to be for the Waterbury and the, the other locations hybrid also or just ex exclusively in person? We're going to do the same hybrid model. Oh, OK. OK, great, great. Uh, Talk to me about 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 politics, funding, economy, uh, public health. What goes through your mind as you've been? But well, where did you go to school? Where did you go to undergrad? So I actually am a asynchronous student. So I got my degree in healthcare administration from Charter Oak State College. I have a degree in dental hygiene from Tunksis, and I have my MPH from Goodwin University. So, so talk about, I mean, so you've been invested in the, the academic sphere about what public health means and community health, and now on the boots on the ground kind of thing. But what is that, what, what have you learned or what, what have you sensed? That, where, where do we go from here? Because it seems to me that folks still, as you reference, are, are hesitant. And I was so glad we could chat this afternoon to help promote the, the upcoming opportunities. But what, what resonates through your mind as you reflect on your journey over the last six or seven years on, on this this movement, this, 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 this abolitionist strategy to... Uh, uh, you know, er erase uh, uh, health health inequities. 
I think what's most important and where I feel like I always seem to circle back to is the education component. I believe that, you know, we've all kind of gone and we sat through school and school is like this structured learning environment. However, the education component is really what we have control over. And it's really how we seek out information um, to make a change. And I think that throughout all of my education and different roles that I've played, whether I was, you know, the hygienist working at Cornell Scott or now that I'm at Karen and working through Southern, I think that what a lot of folks are coming to the table with are questions. There are a lot of different misconceptions that need to kind of be broken down. But I think most importantly is folks really want to be heard first. So that active listening and then being able to kind of take that information and break down where the sources are coming from. I think when I think about public health, I think it's personal, right? I think that we all have a hand in what is going on within our lives, right? At least what we can control. But I also always challenge people to think about who are you in your community? How does your community affect you? How can you be effective within mm -hmm. your community? That's also a component of public health. We've had people come through the program and they're like, I don't have any degrees or I'm not a public health major. You don't have to be. You are a concerned citizen. You are affected by these systems and policies that are in place. Mm -hmm. And you're voice, your experience makes you the expert. So I can say as a New Haven native, as a woman of color, and as an MPH and future doctor, um, I think that it's really important to exercise your voice, advocate for what you believe in, but always seek out knowledge. There's going to be things that are going to occur, but unless you are actively involving yourself in the change you want to see, you're kind of just allowing things to pass you by and letting things happen that you can ultimately influence. It mm -hmm. does take time, but I believe there's strength in numbers. I, I saw it. I really appreciate your, your sharing that context. I uh, participated this some this fall act like one of your alums Ari Ariella and the yes, Edwards yes Edwards and I attended that and so share with us you mentioned some of the projects if what kind of some of the projects that come to mind the good people will feel for how really flexible innovative and and strategic folks can be with their with their with their project design well actually so Dyshawn Harris who is our urban agriculture hub guy, as I call him. Um, also, folks will refer to him as Farmer D. He actually has cultivated many new, whether he revamped um, existing community gardens or he made them completely from scratch, if you're familiar with the shack, 330, uh, yeah, 333 Valley Street. So that area is a recent rebuild and that green space now has several beds. So that was a project that Dyshawn Harris did in addition to um, White Street, that mm -hmm. church had a green space that he also um, redid as well. Mm -hmm. And Ariella, as you had mentioned, she got, she does an annual mental health fair in the community. Mm -hmm. It brings out tons of different people, just providing resources, opportunities to talk to people that look just like you, opportunities to tap into some of the different things and the services that you have access to. We've also had um, Shamika Frazier. She did a maternal health um, panel when mm -hmm. she was a New Haven health leader. And then she went on, I would say maybe not even a month later after the program had concluded, she partnered with some other folks in the, in the area and she did a community baby shower. Her second annual community baby shower is coming up. It's going to be October 28th at the Q House. So I definitely um, hope that folks will come out to that. Mm -hmm. All 
stuff is actually on my Instagram that I use just to post stuff as a community member, just wanting to engage other people. And that is Health Happy Habits on Instagram and all their projects and information and things of that nature has been highlighted there as well as on our care um, Facebook and Instagram. And I believe, Tempest, there's an upcoming cancer information event at the Q House. Isn't there a Yes, there is. So that actually is an extension of this past cohort, a project that was being worked on um, and the focus was lung cancer. So there's going to be an informational on that and that is going to be November 4th. The time slips my mind, but that is also posted and shared amongst our alumni networks and on my social media for folks to see, as well as Facebook. And that's also an opportunity to kind of see what did it look like for these community research fellows to work with the Yale investigators. And now they co-collaborated on the actual messaging that is being put out on lung cancer, mm -hmm. but also help support putting this event together and actually... Um, promoting it for the Cancer Research Center as the fellows that also worked on this research. How have you found, I mean, this is so great. Let's spend another 10 minutes or so. How did you, um, the investigators, the the, the acad academics, are they, do they welcome having community folks side by side, so to speak? Do they see it to be an asset of value or a pain in the butt? You know what? I will say what I appreciate about them is they come to the table open-minded. Many of them, they also sit through a training so that they can gain an understanding of what this working relationship will look like and what are some of the expectations um, and the structure of how we are looking to run things. And what I will say is they have been very open to the feedback and the wealth of knowledge and expertise that the community members bring. I think some of the comments I have heard was, hey, I didn't necessarily know what this was going to be like or what exactly I was signing up for. It was just something that interests me because I wanted to get an, some more insight on what is, my, what is my pamphlet really saying or based on the information that was provided from surveys and I'm reading through um, scripts and things of that nature, what does this mean to a community member, right? Because ultimately you're looking to implement stuff we as the consumers are using. So shouldn't we be at the table helping you, you know, create this um, promotion or, you know, structure survey questions and things of that nature. So I will say the majority of our investigators have come to the table with just open minds. Mm -hmm. There are others that have said, this was wonderful, but I didn't understand what was going to go into it. And now that I know more, I would love to do this again. And then we have oh. others who say, you know, I think I need to pivot how I even go and look at how I'm approaching these survey questions based on what I'm looking to get back because I don't necessarily have a good understanding of my target demographic. I just know from the medical standpoint, this is what I need to be doing. It's kind of, you've seen the light bulb go off, right? Mm -hmm. And saying, okay, I do need to pause and take a look and step away from me as the MD and have those conversations with community members and our consumers to really understand what are the barriers that these things are not necessarily maybe yielding the results that we're looking for. Or if things are skewed, why are they skewed? How can we gain more representation? I think a lot of what happens is we're the primary consumers, we're not represented in the research. So of course we don't wanna be involved or we don't wanna take this medication or we're not necessarily looking at this approach as something that's gonna work for us because you haven't shown us that it does because we haven't been included. Mm -hmm. So I really like that they are coming to the table open-minded, but again, there's still so much work to be done. This is just a start. 
Interesting. You, you referenced the, uh, the schedule in the nine months. Is it two or three meetings a month, the time frame each week? What can be, help me to kind of visualize a little bit more if I'm interested? What That's my a great question. time commitment oh. might be. So the two programs actually run a little bit differently, but same structure, different days. So our community research fellows, and those are the folks that are going to go ahead and they're going to work with Yale investigators. They're going to meet between January and May, and they're going to meet bi-weekly on Thursdays. And that's going to be between 5.30 and 7.30. For our in-person sessions, dinner is provided, and it's always something really good. And then between June and September, that's more of a time where you're really working hands-on with your investigators. So that is when we're going to drop down to monthly, but it'll be still on Thursday, same time, 5.30 to 7.30. And then our New Haven health leaders, same kind of model, right? So January to May, they're going to meet bi-monthly, but those are going to be on Tuesdays from 5.30 to 7.30. And then the same thing in September, excuse me, June to September um, on those Tuesdays, it's going to be 5.30 to 7.30, but it's only going to be once a month. And, and here in New Haven, on Southern's campus or, or in the Bahamas or where were the- <laughs> I wish it was the Bahamas. Where, where... So right now we're still working out some of the logistics for community research fellows just because we are expanding to Waterbury. So we wanna provide folks that are a little further out um, a more travel friendly option. So we're still mm -hmm. working out those details. However, okay. New Haven health leaders are definitely meeting on Southern's campus, which is beautiful. We are at the um, Health and Human Services building, which is the brand new building. It's absolutely beautiful. There's plenty mm -hmm. of parking. Um, and then, but our community research fellows, we use the same space as well. We just really try to tailor to our um, different locations since we're in three cities this cohort. Yes. So we're still working out those details, but those things will be forthcoming for all of our participants that do get accepted. Te tease us a little bit about some of the presenters. I know you don't want to reveal your whole card, <laughs> but get, you can reference the past, some of the, uh, because each, each of the sessions I found, uh, you know, to really be insightful and to grab your attention. So I'm, I think for people to know that they really have chance to rub shoulders with, if not some of the best minds in, in New Haven, but some, some of the, the, the more brilliant minds, particularly pertaining to this topic. So who might be some of the presenters just in the past? Well, I'll be honest with you. I'm actually uh, going to be in Daniel's inbox, Daniel Sarpone, to see if I can get him in for <laughs> the community mm -hmm. research fellows. But we have people like Sakina, um, Marcellus, we have Alicia Santilli, who's our director. You'll have me in a couple of sessions, um, Tammy Chapman. We also invite the alders to come in. We have a couple of others, but I'm going to keep those under wraps just a little bit because we do want to kind of really gain the attention of the participants when we do get them. So I won't reveal all of our folks. So, but all right. So, so it, well, is, is Oprah on that list or not? not, not oh, my not. goodness. No, <laughs> but I'll add one of her quotes. <laughs> add one, of, add one of her quotes. Let me, a little bit of a divergent. Let's take another five minutes or so. Mm -hmm. We've heard this term actually not so much in this last year, but the year prior, this racism as a public health crisis uh, was was almost on a lot of people's tongues, and in a lot of municipalities and states, and resolutions were passed, and states were passing uh, study groups, et cetera. Does that phrase racism as a public health crisis still resonate with you? Was it just kind of a one-off uh, fashion statement two years ago, or is there still some some relevance and and and, and oh, no. substance to that to that phrase? 
I believe that there is a lot of substance and unfortunately roots to that um, phrase. I often try to remind myself to be uh, politically correct and not too not too tempest in my in my responses, but I will say that it is definitely something that has to be addressed. I think that it's it's something that you can't ignore it. It is in every step of the way, whether you are a consumer, whether you are a provider, whether you're just walking down the street, there are just certain things that you are going to be approached differently based on how you present for various different reasons, right? Mm -hmm. Whether your race, your gender. Um, and unfortunately that impacts people at a very high degree, whether it's their health, whether it's their mental well being, whether it is their comfort in just navigating certain spaces. So it is definitely something that needs to be addressed. I think that a step in the right direction has been a lot of this DEI training, but like I said, the work is started, but it still needs to be done. And I think one of the largest things, and I always will go back to education, is kind of understanding the root of things and not pushing it under the table or dismissing it because, oh, this has been going on for years. You guys always, you know, refer to this. And it's like, until you address it and we can sit at the table and we can have a conversation where it's acknowledged, I think acknowledgement is the first step, right? Mm -hmm. And then educate you on what have been some of the conflicts and the issues, or let's do some storytelling to really gain an understanding of that qualitative information, right? And how that can help your research. So you can have improved behaviors and approaches going forward. Unfortunately, we can't undo the past, but we have to learn from it, right? And that's where that education piece comes in. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. How about uh, among, and I appreciate your sharing that the city of New Haven, the board of alders, you, you referenced them obliquely. And I'm not going to elaborate on that point, but, but we did, we, I wasn't an alder at that point, but in 2019, 2020, we did pass a racism as a public health crisis kind of resolution as well as with a, a task force and a study group. And, uh, and in, the, in December at the, uh, one of our public meetings, I'll be, I'll certainly share this with you. Mm -hmm. uh, the city staff that, that was charged to kind of look at our recommendations. There was a, Alicia was on that, that task force uh, to look at the recommendations and let us know where we are in terms of implementation um, to, to really create an equitable health system here in New Haven and, and beyond. So I'll keep you posted there. Uh, what, what's the important, but what's the, what, what's the importance of having, you You did reference, I think, uh, was it Alder Honda Smith that she presented in the past? I know you have. I've been trying to get her, maybe right. this cohort I will be able right. to. What what's the what's the interest or reason that that might be helpful for your students to kind of hear from from any of the alders, including maybe myself? Who knows? I mean, you guys are a representation of us, right? You guys are standing up and you are advocating on our behalf. So I think it's important to be involved in all these different components to really have a true understanding of what your area is experiencing like these individuals, this community, I think it's really important for alders to help reestablish that sense of community and also feel connected. I know it's difficult. I know that it is a job that is, it's, it's a big ask, but I also understand that the people that are in these positions, you guys are capable and able. And I think even what was expressed at that brunch was that we need more of you at these conversations. We need more of you involved in these, um, these sessions, programs, mm -hmm air because it is with your partnership. And as we come together, we are stronger in numbers, right? When it's more of us standing and we are advocating for one another and we are sharing resources and services and we are leaning on one another, it's harder for anybody else who's doing anything that's against what we have to actually be able to move things forward. And I think the change starts with us and alders, I believe, set the example. 
Mm -hmm. Excellent, excellent. Well, I, I I hear that charge, and and I'll I'll uh, I'll reach out to you schedule wise. Uh, I serve on a variety of, of committees, and so I'm 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 prepared to kind of share what we're what we're involved with. Uh, let, let parting thoughts. I mean, folks can kind of kind of reach you how again and, and find out more about the program. What's the best way again? So I think if you particularly want to just learn about care and see our program and obviously apply online, you're going to go to care, C-A-R-E-N-H-V.org. We're also on Facebook with the same name, spelled the same way, as well as Instagram. Okay. And and, and parting thoughts as uh, folks kind of listen to this in terms of what, what do you want their takeaway to be? I actually would love for folks to consider stepping out of your comfort zone and trying something new. We did a campaign for the New Haven Health Leaders specifically, but I feel like it should resonate for you as well if you are interest, interested in being a community research fellow. And we did showcase two of our alumni, so Dyshawn Harris and Ariella Edwards. And you get to see a little clip about them, um, their experience with the program, what they have been currently doing and why they do what they do. And I think specifically listening to their stories it really gives you a personal take on why this work is so important. So those full videos are available on our website, carenhv.org, but you can also see them on our social media pages as we're mm -hmm. using them for recruitment as well. But I really encourage people to listen to these stories and see if it resonates with their own personal story and be willing to step out on faith. Public health is personal. Mm, excellent. Public health is personal. I like that. Tempest, thank you so much. See Thank you, you for soon. having me. My pleasure. My pleasure. Be well, be safe, onward and upward. Thank you. You as well. Take care, dear. Bye. As I got another rhyme, another rhythm for y'all to listen. I'm never quitting on my mission. I'ma roll with what I'm giving. Got some ambition, this new addition, filling positions. Looking at the void in myself and feeling what's missing. Better watch the way you're going. Better go in the right direction. In the moment, you stressing, but you gon' be counting blessings. And I know that for certain. Keep on working, open curtains. Haters swerving, cause they ain't ready for your final version. Whoa. I'm never gonna give up, give up. Fall down, I just gotta get up, get up, hey. You're listening to the Tom Thicken Show on WNHHLP 103.5 FM, your home for community radio.